Hello and welcome to Where's Shaz, the podcast. I'm Shaz Ahmed and my mission is to empower, educate and inspire you with stories, knowledge and guests in the world of property, finance and business. So let's go. Hello and welcome to the podcast once again. My guest today quite simply is the founder, the brains, the body behind the TED Talks empire, Mr. Tej Singh. Hello, Tej. Thank you. What uh, an interesting introduction. I'll definitely take that as one of the best I've had. Um, interestingly, best. Yeah. I like to keep it interesting. So this is a bit of a strange one. This is like full circle. Um, you were the, the podcast guy. I was on your podcast and now we're uh, the roles are reversed. I mean, your welcome is a, is kind of what I think we're getting to here. You know, for help, you know, for in, encouraging you and showing you the podcasting ways, young Padawan. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're like you're like the big brother I never had, and then you probably never wanted. Never wanted, absolutely. Awesome. No, Ted. Look, thanks for your time. I know you've got loads going on, like everyone else in property right now. Time is money. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Absolutely. So, look, let's just get the mission statement out of the way. I ask all my guests to share their mission statement. Quite simply, why do you do what you do? mission statement i like that like in primary school um so my mission statement is i do what i do for fun really um you know why do i put content out there why do i make reels why do i do podcasts why do i buy property really it boils down to fun i mean yes there's wealth building and financial freedom and adding value and all that stuff but at the end of the day i'm doing it all to live a life i enjoy and to enjoy the life i'm living um and I don't see, I suppose, more of a reason than than that, I suppose. There's nothing wrong with that. That's quite a personal answer. And if you don't enjoy what you do, then why are you doing it? So that's a, that's a very valid way of thinking. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, normally I would ask you about your background and your journey, but I think you've been on enough content that a lot of this is a given. However, over the last, what, 18 months, 24 months, what have you done in property, sir? Um, well, I would say since lockdown started, absolutely F all. Um, I think, I don't know if your guests have seen it as well, but the market, at least when we're recording this, is just absolutely batshit crazy. And yeah, I've just absolutely struggled to find deals. What I have done is, I be- when was my book released? End of last year? Yeah, so I've written one book, which was released uh, tail end of last year. I've then got another book that is it sort of I'm not going to say almost done, but it's about a month away from now to being released. Um, so I've kind of been focusing on that stuff, like, you know, continuing content, building my brand, um, interviewing, meeting more awesome people where possible, uh, writing the first book, doing the second book, and also, you know, building up my e-learning and getting that released and, and shared with people. So yeah, unfortunately, no awesome refurbs, no stupid builder stories in the last 12 months <laughs> you know everything gonna happen in a mad rush before that and as you and i know trying to get properties remortgaged it's taken like seven bleeding months that's kind of taken up you know a bit of admin time i suppose although you obviously do quite a bit of heavy lifting in that scenario i've still got to fill in forms and do all sorts of bullshit run around and do what i'm told basically yeah but i think would i be right in saying and this isn't a, you know gdpr compliant stuff but <laughs> Are you pretty much now in a position where you paid off all your initial investors and it's all funded with lenders now? So the current, at the time of recording, three joint remortgage thing we're working on now, as soon as that is done, um, I would say that, yeah, everyone's paid off. I mean, I'll have a choice at that point to pay 
like the last one off or wait until the term, which is in November, I think. So let's see what happens there. But yeah, yeah I mean, but up to, up till now, because you know, these houses, two are with one investor, one's with one investor. Um, you know, so really we're pretty much paid off. Um, the portfolio isn't fully cash flowing because obviously these are still on investor payments, which are a lot heavier than a mortgage. But yeah, you know, in, I don't know, a few weeks when, when this goes through, the portfolio is just chilling and it's just cash flowing really from then on. It's happy days. I think, and again, that's one of the goals for a lot of people is to get get off of their investors, get a long-term mortgage on it, and you've done it on your large portfolio, which is really good. It took a lot of time. It took longer than I think you and I both expected. Yeah. Um, mainly, well, the refurbs obviously were delayed, but obviously you and I have had issues with remortgaging because of my profile, because I'm not weed, because of blah, blah, whatever bullshit. So I want people to know that, yeah, I bought 15 properties in nine months, but bloody hell, it's taken what eight months plus after that to get to a point where okay i can enjoy this shit properly and it's i could quit my job if i had one so just so people know it does take longer than you think no absolutely and it's good that you're sharing the kind of honest and raw truth of that now tej i'm always interested and i'm always keen to speak to people who are good at one thing and then move into doing something different so your background i believe is in recruitment but also professional bhangra dancing <laughs> hold on you're pakistani and you can't even pronounce it properly bhangra dancing yeah. bhangra bh is a bus sound it's bhangra i was like just trying bangra. to be very diverse but yeah so talk to me about both i go i mean is there do you miss the dancing and in terms of recruitment what did you learn from that that you've applied to what you're doing now sure so i'll start with the non-fun part which was recruitment um i learned how to have thick skin how to deal with rejection how to work from home alone x many hours you know motivate your basically i learned the 101 basics of being self-employed yep. but because i was a recruiter and everyone hates you as soon as they know you're a recruiter i learned so much more on the rejection part when it came to property 50 viewings for one br accepted i was like is that all is that all you got for me property because i was so used to it um also i struggled in other areas so it definitely taught me a lot and it taught me a lot of basics um and how to manage time and make sure you're taking enough breaks. You know, the real self-employed for dummies. Uh, when it comes to dancing, yeah, you know, I definitely miss, I suppose I miss the really pushing myself because obviously lockdown, gyms are closed, so I can't push myself. I guess home workouts, but you know, there's a limit, I think, in my opinion. Um, but even at the gym, I'm fighting against myself, which is a powerful motivator. But when you're dancing and there's, 15 other people often it's not competitive as such but you kind of feed off each other's energy and you push each other to do well like a team sport that is the element i really miss um and because i work alone i know i talk to you daily i talk to solicitors you know but it's different from having a team so absolutely i miss it um i miss like wearing the outfits i miss competition day um you know it did take over my life like in terms of the time and fitness and mentally um but yeah like i don't know if i'd do it again in terms of time but 100 i miss it and it is amazing teams i don't like team sports but i like team dancing team dancing yeah well i've seen some of your moves at your uh your engagement so that was really fun yes. yeah, yeah um okay you are, a, you are a friend listeners he's been invited which means he's <laughs> actually a friend i'm in the inner circle that's not even a mastermind that i pay for <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> Now, Ted, in terms of your podcast, I don't want to talk too much about it, but it exists. And I think everyone knows it exists. Would you agree that it's opened up a lot of doors for you? 
it has opened up, I would say, every single door. Now, the podcast may not be the sole thing that turned the handle and opened it, but it certainly had a, a big part to play in that all my investors went through the podcast or from it or, you know, invested, then listened to it. And then, oh my God, wow. Or deals have come more so the brand, but the podcast has been a big part of the brand. Um, you know, discounts on work, solicitors, um, what accountants, brokers, whatever, there's a discount. There's a level of um, like affiliate without an affiliate necessarily, or yeah. there's a level of look at the data my brand has. What can we do here? So I, I can't think of an element in the business that it hasn't touched positively. Um, yeah. You know, and if I look at it on a sort of time for return basis, <sighs> you know, I think the rewards largely outweigh the time put in, especially because I enjoy it. I'm not doing it for these reasons. I'm doing it because I love it. Um, and that's why I'm here because I love it. And that's why you're doing it. But hey, if it raises millions of pounds and it's raised hundreds of thousands, then happy days. I mean, like, I can't complain. Yeah, I think I think definitely it's something you've been able to leverage successfully is the word, isn't it? Now, two things I want to kind of ask you about and things I've heard you say on social media. So, one of the kind of phrases you use, I believe, is strong opinions loosely held. Can you give me an example of, of something that fits that? Absolutely. I think it's something that I probably didn't used to have. I probably used to have, have strong opinions strongly held. Now, I think this kind of also relates to like stoicism and, and elements of just good philosophy, which is like, I have strong opinions on stuff, um, which I'll get, give you an example in a second. But if I can be proved, and this is a scientist in me, if I can be proved with evidence that that opinion is not correct or it's not, I don't know, morally, ethically sort of right, then I'll change that. You know, like it's as simple as that, right? In the sense that a lot of people will see the evidence and in the face of that damning evidence, they'll just carry on believing what they believe because they're strongly held. Um, I think for me, I mean, to, to kind of, I suppose, put it into property, I said before I would never um, use a project manager. Oh, buy to let refurbs. Oh, bloody easy. I mean, look, compared to other stuff, yes, easier. But right now, I would use a project manager way more than I wouldn't. And yes, I would pay them 10%, whatever the hell it is. And I'd cry about it, right? But I would do it. But before I was like, oh, people, you don't need it. You don't need a project manager. Don't worry about it. Just do it yourself. Don't be ridiculous. And you can, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't anymore. I mean, I might, you know, like I might, if it was a really small refurb and it was pretty straightforward, yeah, I'd probably use the main builder because I've got a good team now. But 80% of the time, I'd use a project manager. Um, property education. I said, I'd never pay for it. You don't need it. Do stuff for free. Take people to Nando's, which again, it still works. But looking at some of the figures on some of my deals, some of the money left in, some of the money lost on flips or money I could have made. Yep. You know, I say this before, I have points on my journey. I remember standing in the house or being on a video call or talking and kind of saying, Oh, don't do that. We don't need to do that in the refurb or, Oh, don't, you know, don't worry about this. Let's ignore that thing. Whereas if I'd paid for a mentor, even a couple of hours, even some education, I would have had someone saying to me, Ted, you idiot. What are you doing? You can't do that. And that, let's say I paid him hundred quid an hour, or whatever that would have made me thousands in the long run, but I've changed my view on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, wasn't easy for me because, as you know, um, I am cost efficient, we're going to call this. Um, <laughs> and 
it's hard to find good education. But my views have flipped on both of those things. And the education piece is, is pretty big for me personally anyway. Yeah. And speaking of education actually leads me on. So I think my views have changed on education. I think there's nothing wrong with property education. Everyone learns differently. Some people learn by doing. Some people learn by actually having a structured format, modules, whatever, workbooks. Everyone learns differently. I think my issue is the sales techniques involved, the aftercare, the after service. And also if you're saying it's a mastermind or a small intimate group, but it's a group of 50 people, it then it's not, is it? So kind of specifically property education, what are you thinking? What's going on? Who's I mean, without naming names, maybe, but, you know, is, some, is it improving? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to name names because some of them make way too much money from training <laughs> and they got solicitors are way too good. And I love a fight, but I'm not going yeah. to get into that. But, uh, okay, has it changed forcibly? Yes, it's, it's gone online or tried to. When I say tried to, there's a lot of LMSs, learning management softwares, I think, that like can really create a nice experience and be gamified and just have something it's quite subtle and most people maybe wouldn't recognize but i think subconsciously they learn better from but a lot of these things are just gone oh here's a dropbox folder with the videos here's a youtube playlist here's and it's like it's whack it doesn't help you learn um you know teaching is one thing but then actually knowing how people learn like you said in different ways but also how to engage their learning and to get their brain actually taking it in is different. And of course, a lot of people don't care because they someone pays two grand for a course. They got the money. You ain't getting it back. Most people don't even bother asking. Typical British PC, oh, the food's cold. I'll just eat it. Fuck that. Most people don't ask for the money back, right? And they know this. So I think I agree with you fully on the, um, you know, the sales tactics and the mis-selling or mislabeling of stuff. Uh, has it improved i mean i'm hearing less complaints let's let's say that which you know i do keep my ear to the ground a little bit um i'm hearing less complaints i am yeah i mean i suppose it has improved naturally as i think anything should over time that's probably a a gross overstatement there but yeah um i wouldn't I, i would still say it's a minefield and it is still hard to decide who do you go with who's telling the truth but I always say to people, well, look at their social media. Are they doing what they're teaching you? Because it's all good to be a good marketer or even a good teacher. But if they're not doing it or they haven't done it and you can't see this evidently, why are you not paying money for this? And then you yeah. cry about it afterwards. I'm sorry, but this takes two to tango. What I would add to that, though, on the flip side, maybe, is that one, social media can be gamed as well. You know, it's easy to look yeah. flash in socials. But, and as we know, Company's House as well isn't a fair reflection a lot of the time of what actually is going on. And thirdly, I think you, a lot you could be a very successful investor, but you may not be the best coach or trainer. So that there's a few things to add into that. Now, you received a bit of criticism when you did your property, your live HMO day. Now, I think just to defend you here before we, we talk about it. So I was there speaking on, on day one. So but I wasn't paid for it. So there's no kind of... Um, no, we not. paid your travel about four months late. You Please paid don't. my travel about four months late. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you can blame James for that. Yeah, but so, and I even said to you privately, look, I think what might be better is if you named it Property Dual Life and mm. just had a focus on HMOs because that might be better marketing. But yeah, you got a bit of flack because everyone, everyone or a lot of people were like, hang on, how many HMOs does he own? What does he know about HMOs? But in fairness, when I got to the event, I sat there, I think an hour before I got, you know, before my speech, 
you guys were talking about things like uh, estate agents and relationships, networking, social media, auctions. Now, these things are not specific to HMOs. These are specific to property. So actually, the content was very, very strong, and it was an intimate room. Mm. But how did you deal with that at the time when, when you were getting to that? Because it was a bit like, hang on, why is this guy even talking about HMOs? So I think what I do with all haters is, one, is this useful? Not how they've said it or not where they've said it, because generally they're stupid or they say it in a really like not tactful way. So I think, okay, hold on. Is there something useful here? And in this case, there kind of was. And I said to James, listen, this is true. Um, you know, you're the HMO dude. Sort of like, should we, and I know we spoke to you, should we rename it? Should we call it something else? What do you think? And obviously James, typical James, like, fat now, I don't care about him. I'm James Ira. So, I lost a million pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they took away my Porsche. Um, so <laughs> we kind of, what we kind of did was it definitely, you know, gave us something to think about, which is, which is useful. So thank you to, you know, to these dicks who said this. Um, I think the main thing for me is, this is what you said there, like 70% of it is, is applicable to most strategies that are not new builds and land. Right. So anything that you're buying a ready built thing was applicable to anything you're purchasing property assets. So much of it was applicable. Um, Obviously, in my buy to lets, I've got one bathroom. He's got six. So there's six soil pipes. There's, you know, so he took over those parts. But I would talk about, well, what boards are you going to use in a bathroom? Is it moisture boards? Is it, is it hardy backup? What is it? And so, you know, we kind of looked at it as, yeah, it is the property duo go live with a focus on HMOs because he was refurbing his London HMO at the time. Um, so for us, we, you know, we looked at it, we went through it kind of like logically, like, does this make sense? Is it what are we trying to do? What's the message here? And I think if we needed to, we would have refined it had we thought, one, the feedback was actually useful, which it was to an extent, and two, we valued or respected the people who said it. I think it was like one or two people, which the respect was almost zero before this anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, if, I don't know, if if Donald Trump tells you how to, how to you know, treat people, are you going to listen? Probably not, right? Yeah. Fair enough. No, but I think, again, the feedback was good that you've had from the events. And one of the USPs was you were doing live live visits or on-site to a HMO. Yes, every in, single you know, day, in, yeah. In progress. So, yeah, I think the end result was fine. Uh, but, yeah, there was a, a lot of, or a little bit of pushback initially anyway. Yeah, you know what? I think there is always going to be, and there's certain groups on Facebook and maybe other social medias who their kind of job or their, or their, you know, their savior, what they feel in their souls is to save everyone <laughs> from the sharks in education. But a, a lot of what they do is just criticizing good people who are doing good things. And it becomes a bit of a daily mail comment section. Yeah. You've ever seen one of them. So that's the thing, right? Like it, if someone I respect says something, then I, I'll take it on board and, you know, take it more as feedback. But when you kind of don't respect them full stop, I don't give a shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Simply, simply put. That's it. I think, and I've commented on a post in one of those groups recently that look, not every successful person is a, and they call it a furu, a fake guru. Not everyone <laughs> who's successful is on that. So, you know, use a bit of perspective and don't hate, just, just get on with your lives. Um, and it's still in the education space, Ted. So you've done something quite clever, I think, is you've done, you've written a book, which I put three pages in. So I'm also a published author. Um <laughs> And e-learning, which again, I've done a video for. Now, the effort it took to do that for yourself, the amount of time versus the fact that now it's done and it's passive income in a way. How did you find both of those outputs? 
So the book, I love writing. Like I really, really love writing. I always have. And so it was a passion project, I suppose. Uh, and plus, I think I started writing it, I don't know, a few months after the first lockdown. So I was kind of like, well, what the hell else am I doing sitting here at home? Either you're going to make pasta or write a book. Right? <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> either make pasta or I'm going to write a book. And so I did both. Um, yeah. And the hardest part was formatting. Like Amazon just, you know, for a billion dollar company, their back end for their creators is Windows XP is horrible. Honestly, it's like, it's the worst thing ever. Anyways, um, like it was a passion project. I loved it. And I think the book is definitely more passive, but I suppose it is because it's a lower ticket item as they call it. Um, but yeah, the feedback has been incredible. People have really liked it. And it's so cool to, I don't know, have a physical thing that is like a is book. It's just, it makes it real, right? Like social media is, I don't know, it's just digital, but having something real is, is pretty cool. And then with the e-learning, I, um, of course, because I'm so good at timekeeping, as you know, uh, I, you know, I basically had a week to prepare five modules on buy refurbishment finance because <clears throat> the book was getting released at the end of that. And I sort of mentioned it in the book and had like a discount code in the link and stuff. So I was like, Oh, she, what if someone goes to the site and there's nothing there? So I literally did like from 7am to like midnight for a week straight. I was recording, I was editing my voice, as you know, loses, like it goes bad after like four hours. Of it was chaos in my mind and I was totally burnt out at the end of it. Um, and then it took like three weeks anyway for the first sale to come through. So I was like, okay, because <laughs> I didn't think, well, people are going to take a few weeks to read it. Not but yeah, I put everything into that e-learning. And um, yeah, I recently did a raising finance module as well, including some FCA compliance. I know you're FCA regulated. Good, sir. I suggest people do something to this e-learning purely just see the fact that Ted just accidentally on purpose left my bloopers in. <laughs> and I'm mortified. No, no, no. The listeners need to know that you sent me a 40 minute video with 18 minutes of actual content <laughs> and the rest of it was bleeding out cuts and i spent like half an hour trying to cut it out and you bloody bastard there was so much in there <laughs> oh and i actually thought i cut it all out but it's staying there as, as a memory for you i'm gonna redo it i'm gonna redo these videos once i lose some weight once i lose this lockdown <laughs> all right uh, i'm fine so ted just gonna cover social media networking i think in one because to be fair they're intrinsically linked um especially now that we're in lockdown so in terms of networking, right, you've got your own networking event, which is PPM Knightsbridge with mm -hmm. Pippa. Um, you're in South Wales relatively often, so when you are here, you come to the events. We've got the Midlands Mixed Grill, which is an official property investor's Big food up, yeah. thing. And, of course, your social media. So I guess my question is, uh, if you were a new investor now, how best would you use your time physical if whenever these things open up or online or a combination of both? It's always going to be a combination of both. Uh, but online, uh, you know what? It's Online is so powerful, right? You go to a physical networking event. If you're the speaker, yeah, you're going to reach a lot more people, right? The whole room. You're going to yeah. speak to more people naturally because of the vibe, If you're, which most people are not the speaker. If you're an attendee, I don't know, what's, on a good day, how many people do you speak to? Like 10? Like yeah. a push? Mm -hmm. Okay. You're probably going to not like half of them. Um, you're probably going to forget to follow up with two of them. And you might go for coffee with one of them. That's cool. But you spent money getting there. You spent time. You've left your house. You've had to wear outdoor clothes. You have to be an adult for a bit. Or you sit here 
doing whatever, wearing whatever, speaking into this little mic here, um, with almost free software, a mic that really costs nothing in the grand scheme of things. And you can reach with work hundreds, thousands, if you're big enough, hundreds of thousands of people with one single piece of content. I mean, you can't argue with the reach and efficiency of social media and also the ability to vet people. So in a networking event, we've all been stuck with that person we don't want to chat to. And we've probably been the person that someone doesn't want to chat it's to. It's always me, yeah. It's, it is, yeah. Oh, fuck this guy. At least he's a broker. We can ask about mortgages. <laughs> um, and like with that, you're kind of stuck or you're at least sort of, you're playing potluck, right? Because you mm-hmm. walk up to, like you never get to pick. Whereas online, if people are posting or talking, you can see what they're like. You can pre-vet each other. And then you know, like it happens, right? You meet people online and you get on straight away. And you're like, hey, we definitely got to meet up because you've already picked up the vibe. Therefore, when you meet them, it's a deeper conversation. You can talk more and learn more. So, but I think, of course, it's a balance, isn't it? Of having like people want to meet you, but they have to want to meet you if they're interested in what you're saying. And if you're saying something, it means you're posting on social media, which yeah. a lot of people don't. So that's why it's a combination because you can't beat meeting someone face to face, but for efficiency, you, you cannot beat social media. It's impossible. Statistically, I think it's impossible. Fair enough. Now, when it comes to physical networking, I'm, I'm an observer, right? I, I think the role I adopt naturally is... You're a super uh, networker, according to your LinkedIn profile. It is. However, I have a specific role. The role I know that I fit in and I'm comfortable is the connector. So, for example, okay, James, you, you want to speak to an accountant? Tell you what, speak to James. Or speak to Jack. He's amazing. And I'll just leave you guys. And that works for me because suddenly I'm the one that knows everyone, apparently, because I've connected you together. Um, but then I've seen you at events, and I guess because of the brand and the leverage... I've had people come. I've seen people come to you ask for a selfie. Now, what can I say? I'm 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 the I'm the property them sugar. Kind of a big deal, right? So, but then at that at that point, then is that a good use of your time? So when you're there at an event, it's there to get value. You'll also give value, but at the stage you're at in terms of your brand awareness, what are you going to network and events for? Yeah, good, really good question. Actually, I remember you commenting on the selfies when I was there. Yeah. Um, so. What did I go for networking events for? You know what? Just to get out the bleeding house, just to meet people, um, to make friends, to like learn about people's journeys, um, to kind of add value primarily, especially if I'm speaking or I'm hosting. Uh, again, it's fun. Like I would say now I'm looking at developments and land, you know, there's, there's not as many networking events. And the ones I do go to are going to be very specific. And the chances are with land and development, I'm probably going to be doing more of online to, Hey, let me meet you on site. Hey, let me take you for Nando's. Let me pay for your time. Let me something like that instead. Sorry to interrupt you. I think you're, what you'll find is land developers probably don't eat Nando's. Okay. You're going to have to up your budget on this. Oh, well, I'm going to, well, listen, if you can get the remortgages to, I might have some budget in it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Charles is doing very well. It's the lender. I would say, yeah. So for me, am I learning from networking events? Yes. Always something somewhere, but for my real, real development as of now, I need to be on a development site. I need to be with a developer in their brain, in their back pocket. That, that's just a stage I'm at yeah. um, in terms of learning. But it's fun, dude. It, you know, it's just so much fun. I love meeting new people that, and but the thing with selfies, right? As an example, that is a good use of my time. 
because I get on someone's story, someone's post, yeah, it may not have that many followers, but it's still bringing new people that I can then give more value to. So it, it kind of works in a way. Yeah, and I suppose that yeah, you've got the distinctive yellow T-shirt. So there's the whole, even at a glance, people know yeah, that's Tej Talks, that's Tej Singh. Exactly, visibility as well, I suppose, because yeah, there's a lot of people who maybe don't know me from online who have met me at an event, but then have then gone online with it. So yeah, it's nice to have a mix as well. Okay, perfect. Now, I know your um, distant uncle James Sahota. Uh, you and him coined a phase called Ask Holes. <laughs> I believe we, it was you guys. Anyway. It, well, I I know. Did I hear? I said it, but then I heard it or saw it by some American dude like years before. So I can't claim authority on this. Okay. Now, I get the concept, right? And I'll let you explain it. I think for me, I don't mind answering people's questions. I'm probably one of the most given people who actually gives away stuff that could be earning me income i'll just give it away you do but ha- having said that i also get very frustrated because i'll, I'll vent to you say Tej, look i told this person what lender to use and they just told their broker why did they even ask me you know, those kind of things so do you want to define ask call and maybe kind of how to avoid being an ask call yeah good question so an ask call is a is a what's the portmanteau is that the right word between ask and asking an asshole um so it's slightly rude um, just in case any kids are listening cover your ears was too late now um i think okay here's the difference right an asshole okay never spoken before never liked my stuff never commented follow me for a few weeks straight in the dms as a message or as a response to an unrelated story hi interested in uh um, rent to rent can you tell me how to do it please no i ain't got time for that one, you haven't looked at my profile. I don't do rent to rent. Two, it's not related to the thing you're responding to. Three, you haven't even sort of built any rapport. Yeah. I don't owe you shit. Yeah. And if you think I do, then you're entitled, right? But there's so many people who will just say, oh, hey, Ted, you've been following your stuff. Um, or they'll comment and like, and then they'll, they'll just say, hey, I'm looking at rent to rent. I know it's quite a broad question, but what are your thoughts on it? Have you ever done it before? Yeah. Or, you know, hey, I'm looking at this BRR. Um, I'm buying it for 50, end value is 90. Is it a good deal? But then some people will say, Tej, look, have you got a few minutes? Just want to, sh- I've got all the figures. I've got everything you need. I just want to get your thoughts on it. So it's, and also that person who asked the ask whole question will keep doing it and also not taking on your feedback. Now, the majority of people aren't ask calls. Like they're not, you know, because they come with manners, they come with respect, you know, and they get it back. But there's people who just, I, I just don't understand how their mind thinks yeah. um, in kind of how they ask questions and what they ask. And I'm new to property. Any tips? Like, yeah, I've got a million and one. Tips, <laughs> yeah. Like what about, so that's the kind of rough way of describing it. Um, and look, I'm more than happy to answer questions and I absolutely will. But at the same time, I value my own time um, and I give you what you give me. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, this is a Rob Moore quote, maybe. Um, there needs to be a fair exchange of value, right? It doesn't have to be financial, but, the, you know. It can be chicken. It can be cheese. I'm, I'm down for whatever. Yeah, me too, man. Nando's all the way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely get it. And I think, like, I, don't, I don't mind answering questions. I don't want anyone to be put off. But ask me once, ask me twice, ask me three times. Before then, see, you've got another broker and you're going to use them anyway. You, you genuinely have wasted my time, right? Um, I remember, I, I, was it a Saturday or a Sunday? I had someone on Facebook message me. I think I sent you the screenshot saying, um, I've got this valuation report. Can you look at this with me? 
And I said, when you ask your broker, they said, my broker's a sleeper at the moment. <laughs> and it just baffles me. It's, and again, it seems a little bit entitled and a little bit like, well, what's in it for me? And it's not greedy. I think you've got to value your time. Yeah. And you know what? The, the entitlement is, it, it, it's, it's not a nice word and, and it is what it is. There's lots of different types of entitlement. Um, but it's just, I think like people, like the person, so if you're being an asshole and you're being entitled and that you're privileged to this information, you should be told it. The person you're asking can feel personally slighted by that because they kind of think, well, hold on a minute. What about my time? What about my mindset? What about, you know, this, what about... And so I, I think it's just a terrible way to start things off because it just doesn't, it just, it leaves a sour taste from the beginning. You just want a bit of foreplay before they ask you for anything, right? You need to, you know, I mean, you need to build it up a little bit. You can't just go straight for the right hook. Absolutely. No, I feel your pain on that. Um, we're actually going to talk about property and invested now, Tej. Imagine oh, that. boring. Half hour in. So I think you're, you're a good example of remote investing. Is that was that intentional? I know South Wales low barrier of entry, low cost of entry. Was that the only reason? What were your thoughts on remote investing? That was the only reason. Um, did I think that I'd become a remote investor? It, it was going to happen. I can't keep driving back and forth and dealing with this nonsense. Um, and plus, I'm so you know I understand the cost of refurbs. I can see it from pictures. I know the common issues. I know I have so much data and knowledge now after doing it for two years or so that. I don't need to view it. You know, I, I just don't need to do certain things. Um, and I have people there who can, you know, do things that are needed, project managers, checking on refills, whatever. So I didn't intend to be, but I think accidentally it happened because I just noticed myself kind of being like, I don't want to drive there. I don't want to. Okay, what can I do to make this easier? Hey, someone offered me, I'll do viewings for you. Great. Hey, someone offered this, someone... And it kind of naturally happened. And then lockdown happened. And then, of course, I had no other choice. Um, and I haven't had for a while, actually. So, yeah, it, it happened naturally. And then at one point, I made a decision. I was like, look, like, if I was going to outsource anything, whether it's like the brand and social media and content or property, for Vitalets and BRs, I would outsource the property stuff over social media. Really? Okay. But developments and land... I wouldn't outsource over that. I don't think you can. Sure. And in terms of your buy-to-lets, am I right that you essentially self-manage as well, even though you're remote? As my broker, Shaz, I think you should know all of these details. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a leading question. <laughs> um, yes, I do self-manage all 12 of them. Okay. Now, how do you find that? Because again, there are always problems. No matter how good your refurb is, how good you've done on the finishing, there's always problems. Do you have a team at the end of the line that can just fix a problem for you there and then? Yes, I have a few different trades of a few different uh, disciplines. Also, have various websites, and you know, my agent, although he doesn't manage, he's very helpful and he's he's epic, um, and so he will you know help me out if needed. So there's a lot of resources available if needed, and of course, you know, we've got the WhatsApp group, um, we've got Facebook groups. There's there's a lot of people and things that can help me should I need it. So I kind of don't feel like it's that far away, and plus. If I get a call at 11 on Friday, it hasn't happened, and there's a leak, even if it was on my road, I am not getting up, putting my wellies on and going there. I'll make it worse. Yeah, Someone's getting called. Like, you know what I mean? So, I, and people say, oh, I'm scared to self-manage far away. But I'm like, yeah, but are you really going to be digging the drive up if there's an True. issue? So, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. So, in your BRRs, 
by refurbishment finance do you believe or how many times have you actually got more rent than the street rent because i believe every single time is that because you're black taps well shaz i mean rumors have circulated around the blank taps <laughs> but uh you know what it's it's one it's one thing uh most not most but a lot of the competition is magnolia and brown carpets and is a bit shit which it still rents demand is crazy everywhere it still rents i have fine happy days that's one thing the second thing is you know i do put way more attention into my buy to lets than most buy to let landlords i would say that my um like rentals cost the same or less than other buy to let investors but they look like flips yeah and this is i think this is i'm always big on is pay attention to the details the good design doesn't cost any more it just means you take a bit more effort or time to look at it so yeah your finished product looks a lot better than the man next door it may cost about the same to get the refurb done but then yeah you are pushing the rents up for what you're getting so how do you in terms of your tenants then are they the same tenants who would have rented next door are you filtering through to get the high quality tenant i would say my agent um big up man like dmk he is filtering through them basically and he knows the deal um yeah so yeah we're filtering through i mean yeah if my property wasn't there or a comparable nice one wasn't there which they still exist of course they would have to rent that one or just keep living at home or keep living where they are um and i suppose that's why demand is is so high because people will pay 25 30 quid a month extra because i will for something that looks kind of sexy and i don't know but maybe it says something about the landlord or landlady when they're swagging it, maybe the tenants see that and think, whoa, they haven't just done white gloss slab, cheapest magnet kitchen, cheapest black worktop, boring. They've actually done something different. They've gone to and Howden's, Map Blue Handleless. Hey, come, on, come on, come on. <laughs> so, you know, I think maybe maybe they see that and think, hey, this could be a better person to rent from. I don't know, just something I thought of. Okay, sure. Um, and look, I think, quite frankly, looking at your social media and the conversations we've had, that chapter in your book pun intended, it's kind of closing, right? So you're switching to developments. Well, I say it's closing, but I want 12 more buy to let. So I don't, know how close, I don't know how closed that is. So yeah, well, all the best to you remortgaging them all, by the way. Okay, great. Thanks. I'm still on board. Great. I'm happy with that. <laughs> so with the move to development, first of all, why? And secondly, how is that going? You know, how, how far in that journey are you? Cool. So why is simply because the standard thing that everyone feels with buy to lets you do all this work, yeah, you get 300, 400 quid a month, fairly passive, capital appreciation, happy, blah, 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 happy days. But you kind of think, mm, yeah, I could do more work, you know, or the same work for like flips, for example, which I want to do like around here and earn 10 times as much. And if I can do a development, I can do a flip and get X amount of money in one go. You know, I'll give some to our friend D for put into crypto. I'll put some <laughs> of the stock shares, you know, I'll put some back into um, that property and I can just kind of keep going then. So for me, it's just a, people call it a natural progression, but I also just love construction and engineering and the science behind it and just creating stuff. And this is the purest form of creation. Now, again, that's another thing, by the way, I said I wouldn't do and wasn't interested in. And now look at me. I am. Now you are. Uh, you, basically, you've gone from being a soap star, single lets in the valleys, to being a movie star, which is big developments, right? Hey, listen, what can I say? You know, when Hollywood calls you, you pick up the phone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, but in terms of development, so look, it's completely different to be, it's, I mean, look, the numbers and the way you work numbers is similar, but it's different. Did you feel it was like a reset in terms of building different relationships with different kinds of people? 
Uh, yeah, in the sense that I'm talking more to people in my network who are doing new builds and doing conversions. I am speaking more to planners, speaking more, not yet, but I will be to like structural engineers, for example, QSs, you know, those kind of project managers, people who are going to be quite active in it. But the knowledge, I mean, yes, having Bytelets has helped so much and the mindset has helped so much. But like, you know, when I when I analyze a Bytelets, there's like five things on the checklist. When I analyze a, a, a new build, it feels like 500. Like, <laughs> the checklist is so long and there's so many elements to check. Even on some land with planning, which you're like, oh, hey, we can just, no. There's, there's so much still to do. So for me, it was definitely like a reset, but I love learning. So it was, it was really enjoyable. Yeah. And on a, on a selfish note, it's a lot of good content then that's going to be created off the back of that because it's a new journey, fresh challenge and, and all of the rest of it. Um, one thing that bugs me, right, about investors, and this is very Karen of me, is um, I see people on, on social media, I saw someone recently, um, hey, we found a deal, purchase price, cost of works, this is going to be the GDV, offer accepted. I'm like, cool, underneath, now who's got money to invest? As in, people are fine. So should you find investors first or deals first is my question. Oh, someone call a manager. Um, <laughs> I think, like... You know what? I've done it both ways, which you know, right? I've, I've had money in the bank and we, you know, good to go. Because when I was buying, I was buying every month, multiple. So for me, if an investor approached me, which is different to now, I could say, yeah, look, I'll borrow it today, knowing I didn't have a deal because I knew there'd be one. Now I'm like, I'm closed for investment for the time being. And I'm having to tell people, look, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll you know, do what we can when we can. Uh, so of course, it's so nice to have 100 grand in the account, you know, and your deal comes up and you buy it. But you're also paying interest on that. And the timeline, the clock is ticking. When you have a deal, I find it's easier to get investors because they see something tangible. So they're more sort of, um, I don't know, they just seem to take more of an interest or be more up for it. It's just a thing, right? Like a quirk of yeah, investors. That if there's a deal, it makes sense, right? Um yeah. I've done it before with like 14 day completions, 20 day completions. And it's fine. I found investors. Would I advise it? I don't know. It was very stressful. But I think for, for me, the way I kind of think is it's like, what, why is you're potentially wasting the vendor's time or the agent's time? Because you're not actually, you haven't got a qualified investor and you haven't got proof of funds. That's my issue. If you pull out, yes. But that's why if you're going to do this, you, you know, you kind of need, yeah, pre-qualified investors or you at least need a network or, you know, a bubble of people that you know. Or how about this? As a backup, your own money. I mean, that sounds really magical, that does. Um, <laughs> but you got to remember, Karen, not everyone has <laughs> not everyone has their own money. Now, I think for the first deal, that's something different. You hopefully should use your own money. Um, but that's, a, that's been a backup for me. Um <laughs> Here's the thing though, right, Shaz? If it's a good deal yep. and someone puts that up there and they've got a decent-ish network, the chances are, even if it doesn't get loan funded, which I think is the gold standard, they'll probably still get a JV with some randomer. Yeah. So for me, a good deal, I think, will always get funded in some shape or form. Well, I'll get off my soapbox now. Thanks, Ted, for explaining that. Um, right, let's do a little quick case study on the quickest end-to-end -end by refurbished refinance that you had. You actually told me it was the quickest. I just was, I had no no idea. I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. Um, 
It was a property I bought pre-auction, mm-hmm. um, sniping before it even went live. And uh, I can't remember what the guide or anything was, but I got it for 72 or 73. I'm going to say a 72K. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it was in a really bad condition. And oh, I say really bad. It was in bad condition, but it wasn't um, no structural works, nothing crazy. So I bought that on, this was investor finance, I believe. And this completed in 28 days or less. Um, Cause I said to the vendor, look, pre-auction, I get it. You know, you want to go to auction, but look, I'll sort you out. We'll complete before the auction ends. I was that early. I was like, look, we'll be done. You yeah. don't like, forget about it. That worked out quite well. Thanks to a good relationship with the auctioneer as well who said, look, he's bought stuff from us before. He's good for it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, bought that. And I think we completed something like December, the f- early December. Got the keys. Builders went straight in. And this was a new build team, actually, who have since are going to have the bailiffs visiting. So you can know how that story ended. Um, we did the refurb in, I want to say about a month and a half. And this was an 18K refurb, people. So, you know, it's... It's kind of not back to brick, but it's new plaster, rewire, new pipes, you know, fairly substantial. That, yeah, took about that long. Uh, I think you and I spoke to the lender in the second month. Here's what happened on on the the lender's end. Mm. And this is the kind of the golden nugget. So... The lender was Foundation Home Loans. Like they're not the quickest, not the best. They're a lender. Oh my god! You said the lender name. Oh, you're a terrible broker. Oh, god, my inbox are going to be flaming, right? So yeah, Foundation Home Loans. Right, they're not the best lender, not the quickest, not the slowest. They're a lender that will lend to you and your circumstances. Okay. So what happened was we had one application already in with them that was already offered. So what that means is, in theory, now for the next three weeks, four weeks, as far as they're concerned, your mortgage will happy days. Send us an up-to-date bank statement. Let's crack on. So there's one application already offered. We had another application already put in for another one of your properties. And either that wasn't ready for some reason. I believe that was it. It just wasn't ready. But that application, again, was essentially offered subject to Val. And that, we had a chat. You're like, Shaz, well, actually, I've got this other one in there. In there. Let's just go ahead with that. So it took me a case of just changing the property address on the application. They would call you to do the valuation. So I'm always keen to say to people, look, get your applications in a month, three weeks before it's ready. Cause they're going to call you anyway. You can control when that happens. And a lot of investors want the valuation done maybe just after the, the work's done before the tenants move in. So we booked it all in and that case was essentially offered subject to the valuation came in happy days. And because you've got your relationship then with the solicitors, if you want to name them, you can, mm-hmm. the completion, I think, wasn't it end to end like 37 days or no, how long was it? Well, so I know the whole process from keys to yeah. having remortgage funds in my account and tenant secured was three months and three days. Sorry, three months, three days, which, you know, some bridging loans take that long to arrange. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we know, we know who those lenders are. Um, <laughs> I mean, dude, it was incredible. Like, and it's incredible to think that's one of my best deals, got super valuation above what I put in the Val pack. Um, it's left in three grand. The tenant, I mean, he's paid me rent today early again. What? Like just every month, like it, it, that is one of my best deals. And to think three months, three days, like it's, it's crazy, right? It blows my mind. It blows my mind. It blows your mind. But I think I want to highlight that that's not going to happen every time. So when you post these kind of case, case studies or key things and, and people need to ask, okay, how did that happen? Tell me the mechanics behind it, because I wouldn't be, probably not be able to arrange that again. It's just one of those things that right moment, right property, right time. And actually 
as an investor credit to you, you were like, okay, fine, let me pay the fees because you're quite keen on paying fees as soon as they need to be paid. Apart from my fees, don't pay me anything. But, you, know, <laughs> you don't take Amex, dude. <laughs> take crypto, though. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll use my Amex to buy crypto and then pay you and I get air miles. Win-win. Perfect. perfect. But, but you yeah, know what? So, you're, you're right there. So it, it's 100%. There's also credit to you and um, Insight Lord John Smart because you and this... And you say foundation on the quickest, but when we were, I was in my prime with them... <laughs> Peak. Yeah, they were, they were quick. They were good. Our underwriter, uh, he was our boy. It was great. Again, the reason for that was compound. It's it's momentum. They mm. lent to you once within the space of another month, lent to you again. Because then there was, if you remember, there was a gaff and used them again and they had a fresh list of requirements again. Yeah. So yeah, it's momentum. Um, com- it's compound interest in a different way. You know, you had momentum. You love momentum investing, don't you? Was, you, you were going to say that this whole podcast. I am I the momentum investing broker. That's going to be our new tagline. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's a good case study. And I think it just shows that as an investor, if you're happy to pay fees as soon as they need to be paid, if your broker's on point and they can recycle the case that's already there with the same lender. So at that point, Chad, you said to me, Chad, you know what? I want the cheapest rate. Then it wouldn't have been a foundation. It would have been another lender and it would have been another three months. That's the difference, right? And it, yeah, so that rate was higher, but it was pre six months and they don't tell their valuers like some lenders do, only value it at purchase plus refurb. They tell them value it. They value like the you- asset like a bloody rick surveyor should <clears throat> so perfect now in speaking of solicitors how do you feel you've kind of grown with your relationships with professionals such as solicitors you know, you've got a conveyancer that you highly recommend and a solicitor mm-hmm. team right mm-hmm. yeah so um pcs legal are the conveyances i recommend Stuart forstack's partner there and john smart at insight law uh, the solicitors i recommend if people want an intro just send me an email um i know shaz you know uh, john smart you i think you introduced me to him no you introduced Possibly. me to his boss back in the day and then, yeah, 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 at, uh, Pin in Cardiff. Yes. So, yeah, I think the relationship has definitely evolved, you know, to the extent where I can and I do text both of them just queries I have or, you know, like, Stu, can you look at this legal pack for me? And he'll do it for free, you know, or like, hey, Stu, you know, what, what does this legal thing mean? And even litigation, he's not a litigation solicitor, but I'm still going to be like, listen, I've got this beef. What, you know, help me out a little bit. So, you know what? It has evolved to the extent where, yes, I've given them a lot of business. So fair exchange of value, as as um, as Uncle Rob says. But I'm also getting a lot, you know, free legal advice, um, reading legal packs, which for me, I could ask them, hey, give me 100 quid every business you get from me. But I'd rather they just did my stuff super quick, which they do, get me that extra bit of service. And they read like legal packs and, and help me out with difficulties. That's worth more to me, right? Not the money. No, definitely. Okay, cool. Now, just as a wrap up, Ted, because I know you've got another podcast because you started this one late, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mention that. Because of technical issues, I was actually here only two minutes late. May yes. the jury hear that. <laughs> right. This is a very broad question. It's quite a cliche question, but I think it's very pertinent, especially with, with mental health being quite important. So how important is mindset when it comes to property investing? I think property investing can get quite lonely. Um, so top tips to stay focus and just focus on the end yeah i you know mindset mental health is it's kind of like everything in a way because if you don't have the right foundations the house is going to crumble if you don't have the right let's say you're making curry yeah you need to have the right onions garlic and ginger and chili cooked with the with the jita at the right temperature for the right time for the whole rest of the dish to be correct we know that right if you mess that stage up Forget it. You might as well go to Sainsbury's and get a ready meal curry. It's going to be nasty. So the same thing applies for your mindset. Like if your head isn't right, 
if your basic perception and understanding of rejection of people pissing you off of comparing yourself to others or ego if that basic kind of understanding um and i suppose being kind to yourself and working through these issues if that's not there like when it comes to this stuff that you know could be seen as minor like the rejections and whatnot you are going to be fried because you're not going to know how to deal with it so mindset is is everything but you know what though big up people because people honestly like do a lot i think generally for mindset it's one of those things which i don't know like i feel people may not read technical stuff about refurbs they may not read you know, technical books but something everyone seems to be quite big on is mindset and mental health um you know what networking like i said is a great way to get out there have fun and you know what you sit at home dealing with all these issues and you think oh god why am i dealing with this you go to a networking event and you're like okay everyone is dealing with the same shit this is kind of funny now we're just having a laugh about it and that can change things i mean there's loads to say about mindset i mean like one thing that i think is really important is like being mindful and being present so through meditation uh, or through yoga or through various practices but also and th this is a hard one right to balance because we want stuff we're entrepreneurs we want the six-figure businesses we want x amount of cash flow we want all this stuff but at the same time we should be content with what we have and want what we have but how do you balance the two yeah. and i don't have an answer for that that's a philosophical discussion for another day but i think just understanding that and learning to be content is underrated hugely definitely i, I, I couldn't put it better myself and i think one of the things you said is not don't compare yourself with others because look, and we touched on it before, social media is just what someone chooses to put on social media. It's a construct, right? Just because I'm good at using graphic, I'm, using, I'm good at using Canva and someone else isn't, doesn't make them any less, you know, any less than me. Um, and also not everyone, well, not many people put the lows on social media, they put the highs. So just be very mindful of that and don't compare yourself to others because look, you're all, your goal is different to everyone else's. 100%. Um, now, in terms of wrap-up, Tej, what are your future plans on a personal level? I mean, I read on one of your stories, so hopefully this isn't intrusive, is that are you saying that you're financially free right now from property, specifically so, the rentals you've got? So as soon as these three... I would say, yeah, technically, given my outgoings right now, yes. <laughs> you live a very frugal lifestyle, you know that. Right? <laughs> well, listen, I've got to pay rent now, mate, in the countryside. So um, <laughs> given my lifestyle now, and plus if I was living at home, even better, um, miss you, mum. I would say that, yeah, technically, financially free. If I was living at home, bro, financially opulent Dubai life, yeah? yeah. Obviously, man's got rent and bills on that. But... As soon as we complete these three remortgages, you know, the cash flow per month is going to be anywhere from three and a half to kind of four and a half K, depending on my service accommodation, which it's not opulence, but it's definitely enough that everything is paid and I can go to Whole Foods probably a bit more than the missus wants me to, but I can. So, yeah, you know, I would call that financially free officially and more applicable to more people, that number when these three are remortgaged I'm, I'm making a note for your tax man to, to note that you are financially free um but moving forward then so where do you see yourself or where do you see the Ted talks brand in in five ten years i mean look it's coming to tax i'll just speak to your uncles isn't it um <laughs> where do i see it in, you know what i i struggle with five years and you know i i love right when people have solid answers for five and ten years because it's so inspiring and it's so like i just love that structure that people have 
I don't. Um, I kind of think in six month, um, one year intervals because I don't know, stuff changes. I'm fluid. I'm not married to property. I'm not, you know, I have so many interests and ideas and life is for the living, you know, for hugging trees and stuff. So I would say that I don't know about five years. Like I generally don't know. Obviously I've uh, chatted with you and spot the Dave about opening a bridging company, you know, by investors for investors. Um, but we're not <laughs> charging five yeah. a month. Um, <laughs> so in a year, let's say at the end of this year, I just want the brand to reach more people, you know, obviously I have aims for how many followers I want, but that's because I want it to reach more people. I want more people to buy the book. I want more people to be wearing yellow, wearing the textual t-shirts. I just want to spread awareness of the reality. And that's the reality of property investing technically, but also the reality of the mental health of running a business like this, investing far from home, working from home alone, blah, 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 blah. I just want to share awareness of that. Um, and have fun and have good vibes and avoid um, dickheads. Absolutely. Now, before I get your final thoughts, Tej, just a question that's coming to my mind, actually, is some investors do, some don't. Do you find yourself emotionally attached to any of your properties? So if you had to sell one of them just because, would you? Oh, 100%. I mean, yes, yeah, some of them are gorgeous. <laughs> like, like Some of them are really nice. That like, hair bone flooring. And, mm, you know about that. Like, that case yeah. study one is because it's meant to be a flip. So that was gorgeous. Would I be a little bit about it? Yeah, probably, because I put, you know, but at the same time, nah, I've had to sell ones before that I didn't want to. You know, you and I have kind of gone back and forth about can we get every mortgage? Does it need to be sold? Nah, I'm not, um, I'm not sort of, yeah, like in love with any of them. Nah. Good stuff. Now, look, I can definitely see the growth and you've grown because we're having less conversations about Shaz. This is a 50 grand property. has got not weeds on the mine shaft. Can I get it financed? <laughs> To now the, yeah, to now the conversations are like, this is land we're planning. What would that look like? So I can definitely see the change in conversations we're having. And we're having less conversations because before perhaps the trust wasn't there that, you know, I, I need to ask this guy a million questions to understand what's going on. So now you know what I'm, you, you know, I know what I'm doing. And um, you're so busy with your popular podcast, your wow, brand. I just wish. can't get hold of you, mate. Honestly, you're just so busy. You know what I mean? It's tough. It's I, tough should being busy. I should employ a PA, right. <laughs> um, any final thoughts, Tej? Um, if it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. Absolutely fine. And if you have to ask, or if you have to, if you have to double check yourself, then there's your answer, isn't it? Yeah, Stoic wisdom, Marcus Aurelius. There we go. Brilliant. Look, Tej, I know again in property, we're all very, very busy right now. So I do appreciate your time. I appreciate everyone's time. Time is valuable right now. So th thanks for coming on. And um, look, I'm hopefully I'll see you soon after lockdown, man. Yeah, I'm not coming to where you are, but you can come to where I am. That's fine. We'll have the middle of the mixed grill. Everyone middle else is invited. Yes, everyone's invited. Up to a maximum of about 20 people. But yeah, everyone's invited. Champies, <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice one. Cheers, Ted. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Ted is an example of putting your mind to something and making it work, and the results are there to see. You can follow Tej at Tej Talks on most social platforms. Um, as always, please do give me your feedback and connect with me at Where's Shaz on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, be humble, be grateful, be peaceful.